Exodus 33. Yahweh spoke to Moses, Depart, go from here, you and the people that you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your offspring. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. Go to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you. For you are a stiff-necked people, lest I consume you on the way. When the people heard this evil news, they mourned, and no one put on his jewellery. Yahweh said to Moses, Tell the children of Israel, You're a stiff-necked people, and if I were to go among you for one moment, I would consume you. Therefore, now take off your jewellery from you, that I may know what to do to you. The children of Israel stripped themselves of their jewellery from Mount Horeb onward. Now, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, far away from the camp, and he called it the Tent of Meeting. Everyone who sought Yahweh went out to the Tent of Meeting, which was outside the camp. When Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose up and stood, everyone at their tent door, and watched Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered into the tent, the pillar of cloud descended, stood at the door of the tent, and Yahweh spoke with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud stand at the door of the tent, and all the people rose up and worshipped everyone at their tent door. Yahweh spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. He turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tent. Moses said to Yahweh, Behold, you tell me, bring up this people, and you haven't let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favour in my sight. Therefore, if I have found favour in your sight, please show me your way now that I may know you, so that I may find favour in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. He said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses said to him, If your presence doesn't go with me, don't carry us up from here. For how would people know that I have found favour in your sight, I and your people, isn't it that you go with us so that we are separated? I and your people from all the people who are on the surface of the earth. Yahweh said to Moses, I will do this thing also that you have spoken, for you have found favour in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please, show me your glory. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim Yahweh's name before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. He said, You cannot see my face, for man may not see me and live. Yahweh also said, Behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. It will happen, while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you will see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So in the last chapter, um, the children of Israel made a golden calf and worshipped it. And from their perspective, they were worshipping God. <laughs> but from God's perspective, they had broken the covenant that was just made. So 
God, you know, had made this covenant in Exodus 24. They had a meal. Then Moses had gone up the mountain and was giving all the instructions. But while that was happening, the children of Israel had broken the covenant. So this was, a, this was the arrangement that God would be their people and they said they would do everything he said and Moses was in the process of explaining all of that to... God was in the process of explaining all that to Moses. But the children of Israel broke the covenant before it even got started. So now God says to Moses, take this people, go to the land I promised, but I am not going with you. <laughs> in other words, the covenant, the deal is off. The covenant is off. You've broken your side of the covenant and I am released from all obligations. And that's how covenants used to work. Um, if the, the one party would break it, the other party was freed, like a marriage. And so if you had a, an unfaithful wife or an unfaithful husband who goes off and commits adultery, the other party feels like they have the right, if they wish, to call the marriage off because the other party's broken their side of the deal. And so this is the situation they're in. God doesn't want to be with them anymore. So Moses goes to sort the matter out with God like we should any time a serious matter arises. We should go straight to God. And it says that Moses went to the tent of meeting. And it becomes really apparent now that there are two tents of meeting. So that the tabernacle that we talked about before had an inner area with a holy place and a most holy place. And that was actually called the tent of meeting several times in previous chapters of Exodus. But now they're talking about a different tent, which it says is outside the camp, where Moses called it the tent of meeting. There are two tents of meeting. And in one tent, the tabernacle one, the only way you could get into that central place where God was to meet with God was if you were the high priest. You could only go once a year, and there was an elaborate routine for being holy, for atoning for yourself, cleansing, all of the sacrifices and after following that process, only a certain type of person would get that access. That's the law. But outside the tent, it says that people used to come all the time, and that's where the pillar of cloud was. That's the other tent of meeting. So there's one tent you could say is like the law. It's, it's difficult to be good enough to get to that one. But the other one you kind of went to by faith and grace. The two ways of getting to God, through the law or through faith and grace. And I can tell you what, the only way that we get to meet with God is through faith and grace. The only person who could completely, perfectly keep the law was Jesus Christ, who happens to be our great high priest. And he went into that holy place once and for all and made atonement for us. So thank God we've got Jesus to do that. And then we can now enter through faith and grace. So Moses does do that. And he uses another cunning trick. You know... We saw it in the last chapter that God loves a good reason. When you're praying, it's good to convince God, like as if you're a lawyer and you've got to give God a good reason to convince his mind. So Moses is now pulling a trick. He's using a good argument with God to convince God to change his mind. God says, you go up. I don't want to go with you. And Moses says to God, you said that I found favor with you. If I have found favor with you, then go with us. <laughs> in other words, if I'm really someone that you like, why are you sending me off on my own? And also, Moses says to him that you're telling me these are my people, but no, they're not my people, they're your people. So you're responsible for these people, not me. <laughs> so Moses is giving God some good arguments as to, and then of course the Lord changes his mind. That's, you know, that's really our job as intercessors. When we look at people, 
in the world who are, who are lost. We need to give God a good reason to save them. And he's already died for them, but we can, or there's a need in the church, or a need in our children. We need to think, we need to come to God, not just with a please only, but to give us a God some good reasons. And we'll see God at work. So, finally, um, Moses says something to God, which I think should be the prayer of every believer. He says, Lord, show me your glory. Or in another translation, show me your face. And um, I think that's the prayer of every Christian. Lord, we want to see your glory. We want to see who you are. You know, when you're a teenager, um, I remember when I was a teenager, I believed in God, but I, I always used to, to struggle to struggle with him because he didn't seem real enough. And a lot, it's common for teenagers. But, you know, I prayed that the Lord would show me himself and I have seen the Lord. Now, I have not seen the Lord physically, like some people have, like my father has, um, when the Lord stood beside his bed in 1997. But I have seen the Lord, like I've seen the things he does. It's like when you look at and you see trees bending over because of the wind. I have seen the Lord at work in my life. I've seen the Lord at work in other people's lives. I've seen the Lord answering prayer. And so I've no doubt that the Lord is real. I've seen him. And this should be your prayer. Lord, show me your glory. And you start praying that prayer, you will start to see the Lord in everything. And um, I'm just going to finish by explaining one apparent contradiction very quickly. Earlier in this chapter, it says that Moses was not like normal people, that Moses talked to God face to face. But then in the end of this chapter, it says that, that God was talking to Moses and said he couldn't see his face or he would not live. <laughs> So how could God talk to him face to face on one hand, but then not Moses couldn't see his face or he would die? Well, the truth is that that face to face expression is a figure of speech. It just means that God spoke to him personally. So God, Moses didn't actually see God, didn't see God's face when he was talking with him, um, but he was, he was speaking with God in a personal way. But later on, when Moses did want to see his face and did want to see his glory, the truth is that no one can really see God in all their full glory. It's too much for us. And um, that should be our prayer as well. So Lord, I ask that we would see your glory, that we would see your face. I pray your grace to be upon us as your people. Let us be brought into your presence as Moses was. Let us find you and walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.